So I wanted to get your input on a couple of encounters that I've had. Okay. So we talked about before about, or basically me trying to figure out what I should say to somebody in a certain situation. Yeah. Ongoing. Right. For about 15 <clears throat> years. So it, it's, it happens again. It's a similar situation that I talked to you about with my boss when I'm leaving for the end of the day. Right. And I always just end up saying the same thing to How her. How do you say a proper farewell? Well, I do the same thing at lunch. Right. So it's like when I go out, when I go out to lunch for the day, I figure I, I assume I have to tell my boss and I'm leaving for lunch. Right. Even though she would probably be able to figure it out on her own. So I walk. So every single day I go out of my office and I say, I'm going to step out for lunch. And she says, OK. And I go out to lunch and for over two years, five days a week, I've literally said the exact same thing to her every single time. And never once has she been like, you know, make no. sure. Yeah, she's never said anything different other than okay, right? So should I be saying like the same thing to her every single time? Is that a, like, like it was like the, it's the same issue I have with saying the same thing at the end of the day where it feels robotic, but at the same time it's like, I know what she's going to say. I know what the outcome is going to be. So why change it up? I mean, I feel like maybe for you and her, has it become just like a like a stable part of your work life now that if you did remove it, both of you, your work identities would crumble a little bit? That it's become just a... I mean, my issue is that if I didn't say that, I would then have to think of something else to say. Or not say anything. Or not say anything, potentially, but that seems a little rude, right? To just leave. To just leave, to just walk out. Why don't you why don't you just go where the spirit leads you day to day? Just, That's the thing. The spirit leads me to say literally the exact same thing to her every day. <laughs> you gotta shake that spirit up then. You know, you gotta do something to get yourself out of out of your lunch yeah. rut. Yeah. And uh try let's let's crowdsource some options. Why not tomorrow say all right, going to get some num-nums. <laughs> I'm off to num-num it up. This is the other thing that keeps happening to me at work, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but for some reason it has come up three or four times last week alone. People keep coming into my office and saying, your office is too clean. Why is your office so clean? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what, do people expect me to be like rolling around in my own filth in my office? Like, yes, bit. my office is clean. It is a public space that I do work in. Of course it's clean. I'm not going to just have like junk everywhere or I'm not going to have like, I like to have my things organized. So like if I'm going to be doing work, like I'm not going to be trying to sift through a pile of papers to do something. I want to know where everything is at. You know what I'm saying? The Hollywood serial killer, Justin, <laughs> is the disheveled, disordered serial killer. They don't uh -huh. exist. Uh -huh. The ones in real life are the super neat, orderly right. sociopaths. Uh -huh. So absolutely, yeah, when somebody walks into a workspace and they see it kind of pristinely clean, it's a little off-putting. That's why mine... I don't I, think that should be off-putting. I think that means you're an adult. I always have a half of a sandwich tucked underneath a... Uh, a paper well, on my you're desk. You're obviously a child. 
So that way, if it ever moves, people can see. Oh, he he's got a discarded half sandwich. Uh-huh. On this guy, <laughs> this guy is like me. Uh-huh. He's normal, right? But for you, no. There's no place for someone to feel normal in in your office. Then, right? It's off. You want your office to be a welcoming space, and yours is an off-putting one. Because How like, is your office being messy, welcoming though? Your office, you might as well put plastic wrap on any <laughs> furniture in there. And then call that welcoming. That's you're, you're one step away from that. <laughs> no, that's not true. Hey, you've never been in my office. Oh, I can I can imagine your <laughs> office. I've been, I know you. I know your office. All right. This is the other. This is the other thing I ran into, and this happened just today, a few hours ago. I took my girls to the library. We're at the library, and I'm sitting at a table in the back. Sophia and Charlotte are sitting relatively close to me. Sophia is sitting closer. Charlotte is sitting a little bit further away, kind of keeping to herself. And I think she's like, she's getting into a space where she's, she has to share everything, of course. And she's getting kind of tired of it. And her and her sister go back and forth about what's theirs. You know, they're starting to get very possessive. And so she's sitting there doing whatever. And... Um, this little girl comes up and sits near her, not like directly in front of her, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you hear some weird noise in the background, it's because my dog is losing his mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just making wild like jabs at his tail. And running into walls. <laughs> um, so this little girl sits down, probably about the same age, one close to two. And they're sitting there. I'm not paying very close attention. Mm-hmm. And Strike one. I hear Charlotte just say, no, mine, right? Just something she does all the time with her sister. And then this little girl loses her mind and starts bawling her eyes out and screaming. And her sister comes over and kind of like carries her away. But they keep her in the library. And for the next five minutes, no lie, you can hear this girl just like crying her head off, crying so much that she starts to get congested and you hear it like building up in her throat. And so I'm thinking like, am I supposed to do something right now? Like I can see her dad in the background and I think he's like eyeballing me kind of, Mm. but at the same time it's like, what? like I know Charlotte didn't do anything other than be selfish maybe. So it's like, am I, so I just sat there and I didn't do anything. And mm-hmm. then eventually she stopped crying. But I, the guy kept eyeballing me the whole time. Mm. But I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, he clearly didn't know what to do either. I okay. Mean, yeah. What, what, what's the protocol there? I had a, I, I took Indy to a park one time and there's a kid who um, was sliding down a slide and was literally picking his nose and then wiping the boogers <laughs> all the way down the slide and like getting Good, good amount of boogers on his hands and then smearing them. Mm-hmm. And Indy wa- went to go down the slide and I just picked him up and took him away to another slide. And I know it like, do I tell that kid to not smear his boogers on mm-hmm. the on the slide? Do I yeah, I say whose kid is this? Uh, but I mean, this is like diapers. Like if oh, I okay. say don't smear your, right. he won't know what He's a booger have no is. idea what you're talking about. So my only option would be like, whose child is this? Mm-hmm. And then have someone be like, that's my child. And be like, he's smearing his boogers <laughs> all that. Like literally his snot is mm-hmm. everywhere on this slide. But I was like, dude, 
do I want to open that door? Right. Do, do I want to go down no. that path? Yeah. No, you no, don't. No way. No way. So yeah, no, you ignore, you just ignore it as best you can. And you keep going with your life until somebody, I guess, if he chose to confront you, then it's like, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing that happened at this library, I'm sitting at the same table. I do not move from this table the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this like eight or nine year old kid comes up and sits behind me kind of. Mm. And he's a bit of a troublemaker. He's, he's been your chair. Yeah, he, he's no, he's been like loud and running around the whole time. And Sophia's sitting there doing whatever, and she's you know, is just rambling. Sophia just kind of tends to talk nonstop. You don't necessarily know what she's always saying, but at one point she says, but, but, right? Mm. For whatever, I don't know what she was talking about. And then this little eight year old behind me goes, she means butthole. It's butthole. She means she meant to say butthole. And then he kept saying butthole, right? He kept saying it. And so I turned back to him and I said, we're not going to say butthole in the library anymore, okay? And he looks at me and just goes, butthole, 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 butthole. And just kind of trails off saying butthole. <laughs> and then like his tutor or whatever comes over and starts doing math problems <laughs> with him. I was just like, whoa, what a... Like it made me think like, I never want to take my daughters out in public again. <laughs> like what am I exposing them to? Not knowing, yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't know the whereabouts of butthole. Right. <laughs> I'd be terrified too. Jeez. He just, it seems like he had like 13 built up inside. Yeah, and he I was don't like, know. I got to get it these was out. so strange. God, do you want me to burn this library down? Then you need to let me get these out because this energy has to go somewhere. And right now yeah. it's. It's happy to go out in the word butthole. Yeah. You just you just created an arsonist. <laughs> you know that. Because I re- repressed his uh, ability to say butthole. In exactly. Public. Well, now, now whenever he's in the library, he's going to be like, well, my safety lever of saying butthole apparently <laughs> is not away. socially <laughs> acceptable. So, uh, and he's going to see a, a fire and he's going to yeah. just fall in love. Time might as well just burn this place to the ground. <laughs> Impossible mm-hmm. five this weekend, which for some reason, up until I started reading stuff about it today, I thought it was four, but it's five, sure Is enough. Five? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yep. I wanted to see. I kind of wanted to see Trainwreck. Yeah. What? what you know? You know? You're not gonna like Mission Impossible. Yeah. Well, the, uh, Julie didn't want to see Trainwreck. She okay. doesn't care for Amy Schumer, so okay. she, she wanted to see Mission Impossible. So that's what we went to go see. Okay. I wasn't too thrilled about it, but whatever. Um, and like you said, I was not expecting much going into it. Mm-hmm. But then it's got like a 93 or something on Rotten Tomatoes. Like people love this movie. Yep. It's getting <clears throat> rave reviews mm-hmm. from everyone. And I just don't get it. Like I have a, a list of, a, I'll say this it's entertaining. D- done. It's definitely entertaining. Then put a period. But it on is stu- it. it is so stupid. It's okay. your same issue with Jurassic Park, right? It's yeah, a, it's a dumb movie. 
No, as a matter of fact, she takes her heels off to run. What about Tom Cruise? In a scene. Does he put heels on? He doesn't. Okay. <laughs> um, but so it's, it's just not as like, dumb as Jurassic It's not World as already. dumb, but okay. it is definitely dumb. And it just is like, it's like, it's, it's the, it's the movie equivalent of a CSI episode. It's like, it's an action movie for senior citizens. It's super bland. Okay. You know what I mean? And it just is like, I'll get to your list. All right. So let's talk about my list. My first problem with this movie is that it is full of technology that only exists to the- solve problems in movies. Okay. Right? Which, like, you think about the first Mission, which maybe it's not fair to compare all the Mission Impossible movies, but, like, the gadgets and the technology stuff in the first Mission Impossible movie is practical, and it's always, it was introduced as, like, the stick of gum, right? It's like, here's a stick of gum. It does this thing. And then you see it move, used throughout the movie. And it was awesome, right? Like, I love the first Mission Impossible movie. Okay. Did you, did you not like it? I I honestly haven't seen it in years and years and years. I think I would stand by it. I haven't seen it for a while either. Okay. Because I, all I remember is an aquarium exploding and being With like... the gum, right? Uh, yeah, but I, I just remember, I think as a kid, being like, was I supposed to be thrilled by that aquarium? What, like, was that your se- your centerpiece? That was cool. Watch was this a- aquarium explode. I think the first Mission Impossible is awesome. I stand. Okay. I'm going to stand by it. Really? Yes. Okay. I will stand by it. Um, but that bothers me. It just is like it's not. It's not. It. It is tech. It's literally just there because like, oh, we're backed into a corner. Here's something that doesn't exist, and it's going to solve our problem exactly the way we need it to be solved. Mm-hmm. It just is like. It just seems like lazy writing, right? I mean, the movie's about spectacle, obviously, mm-hmm. but it just seems stupid. It's about an impossible mission. So, I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you have gadgets that help you solve that impossible mission? I mean, I think that's, uh, like I said, it just feels lazy because they're not like, there's no, there's no like, there's no like introduction to the gadgets. There's no like real world basis. It's just as like. Hey, we're at this window that we need to get through. Okay, here's something we stick on and the window explodes. But it's like, you know that thing doesn't exist. Well, no, yeah, but but that sounds a little bit like I would you'd have a point if they're like, oh, how do I get up to that window? And then they're like, Good thing we created this anti-gravity device. <laughs> so all I need to do is put this here and it'll float you up 20 feet. Right? Like that's ridiculous. Maybe. But ex- making a window explode for with whatever seems pretty reasonable. Uh, the bad guy's voice is absolutely ridiculous. Christoph Waltz? No, it's not Christoph Waltz. I thought he was the big bad guy. Mm-mm. I don't know who it is, but his voice is insane. Okay. It is like um, Bane, it is like Bane oh. levels of insane. It's really a trying, bizarre choice. I'm, I'm trying to. It doesn't sound like Bane. Oh. It just is like, where did this voice come? Like, why is he speaking like this? Who mm-hmm. thought this voice was a good idea? Um, next issue, and this isn't as much of an issue as much as it was just bizarre. There's a lot of visual gags in the movie, like walking out of it. Julia described it as slapstick. Hmm. Like it is, um, strange how much like, I wouldn't say humor cause I didn't find it particularly funny, but just as like visual gags are in the movie. So for example, and for me, 
it kind of ruins the action part of it because early on in the movie, there's a fight scene that takes place on like floating platforms above an opera, which is really cool. It's a really great setup. It's a really great um, set piece. But the entire time during the action sequence, (laughs) Simon Pegg is like elbowing some control panel to get it to work. And every single time he does it, the platforms lower and raise. And every time they lower or raise, you get Tom Cruise being like, whoa, he's like, what is going on? And it just is like, this is so stupid. Why is this happening? Right? Like you could have a really awesome, intense action scene. And instead you're cutting back to Simon Pegg being like, ah, stupid machine. And then banging it with his elbow. It's just is weird. Right. <laughs> okay. That's something I didn't care for. Okay. Um, the other thing I didn't care for, it's, and this is more of a culture of movies, and one of the reasons why I don't care for superhero movies that much is this is a superhero movie. It is Tom Cruise's, like, this is Tom Cruise basically saying, like, you guys don't want to put me in superhero movies, so I'm going to make my own, and we'll just um, stick Mission Impossible over the name of it. Because there's a, there's a moment where he's going 100 miles an hour on a motorcycle he skids out on the motorcycle <laughs> and flies off and rolls down the dirt road and stands up and walks away and like it's not even like the next thing he's it's not even like he has a ba- a bandage on he is completely fine awesome there's another moment where the female lead jumps out of a moving car that's going 100 miles an hour and does the same thing rolls onto the sidewalk he just stands up and she's completely fine. Justin, it's, it's all in how you tuck the body. Right. And then literally you have to go limp when you make contact with the ground. Yeah. And then tighten again and you'll be you'll be fine. Another thing that I thought was strange. The there is a a weird note that Tom Cruise keep going going keeps going back to. Like any single time he gets questioned about why he's doing what he's doing, he always somehow ties it like back into friendship and his friendship with Simon Pegg's character. And it's almost like it makes me think of like um, the Seth Rogen movies where it's like their focus is always on their guy friendship. And it just seemed really weird and kind of out of nowhere. Right. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. But every single like 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 the big climactic scene of the whole thing is like centered around Tom Cruise trying to save Simon Pegg because he's like his best friend. <laughs> this is really not what I expected. That sounds touching. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and here's my biggest problem with the movie. All right. Uh, it, now the movie centers around a group called the Syndicate. Which is that in the other Mission Impossible movies? I don't know if they've hinted at it like Spectre with 007. Okay. I don't think that they have. So the Syndicate is basically this anti IMF group, right? I've seen the trailer. And yeah, the reason it makes me think that it's in the other movies is because all throughout this movie, they're always saying to Tom Cruise, like, these are the guys you've been looking for your whole career, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what made me think, like, are this, is this. Are this are these guys in the other movies? But I couldn't really remember. Anyways, so this whole 
organization which centers around one guy who's collecting all of these supposedly dead or missing agents and creating havoc and killing people for their own profit, right? This entire group... All right, so I'm going to spoil a little bit for Mission Impossible. Go for it. Mission Impossible's completely unimportant plot. So this, it turns out, the syndicate was created by the British Prime Minister's highest-ranking officer as an experiment, right? They deemed the experiment to have failed... And the syndicate was supposed to be disbanded. This sounds an awful lot like the beginning of psychiatry in uh, Scientology's world. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. The failed experiment that is <laughs> psychology. Um, but of course it wasn't, obviously, because they're in this movie doing whatever they do. And the only reason nobody knows that the syndicate actually exists is because this officer who created it told the prime minister once that it didn't exist. <laughs> He's a like there's guy. a point where the prime minister says, you told me you broke them up. And he's basically like, yeah, well I didn't. And like, that's the whole reason they exist and that nobody believes that they actually exist because this one guy said once, no, 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 they're gone. Don't worry about it. Uh, next point in the agenda, <laughs> uh, the anti IMF group, but whatever happened to those people? Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> All right, next. Right. <laughs> we got this water cooler, but some people aren't paying their dues for the water. And a lot of you I see drinking it. So yeah. we need to. Okay. And that's what I mean by like, it just is like, it's so threadbare. The plot is, and maybe that's the point, right? Because it's an action. And that, and then and I'll move into my likes because of that. It's not this. this <laughs> I literally only had one like. So I felt like I needed to write something else down so I didn't have just one. So the one thing I wrote down is it's not boring, which it's not. It's That's a big like. I mean, maybe. But, that, okay, sure, that is a big like. Is that a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes? This I movie's mean, not boring? Yeah, yeah, because th- those 93 uh percenters- Those 93 are gushing. I read yeah. some of them. They're yeah. gushing reviews. But, but, but they're not working together. They're not like, hey, what are you giving this? Oh, you're giving it a fresh? Well, okay, I'll give mine a rotten because I'm kind of, you know, they're all just independently saying, yeah, it's fresh, it's fresh, it's fresh. So, yeah, it could be 93% because it is okay, right? But that's what I'm saying. Those reviews are not saying this is okay. Deadspin wrote an article that said the new Mission Impossible is almost better than Mad Max. That is like blasphemy to me like that is so far beyond rational that it's just as like they uh, my first thought is there's no way they actually watched mad max (laughs) maybe maybe if you read the article you'd realize i read it no i read it first mad max no i read it they don't even mention mad max in the article Mm -hmm. it's in the title and that's it it's clickbait okay here's the one thing i actually did really like about the movie it has a really awesome car chase like halfway through, and I guess this is directed by the Jack Reacher guy, mm-hmm. which Jack Reacher was panned, right? People hated that movie. I, I hated it. Okay. The opening this sequence is, is awesome. Mission Impossible. Right, and I heard there's a car chase in Jack Reacher that's great. Eh, 
eh, it's okay. But the opening okay. sequence of Jack Reacher is really good. Well, I thought the car chase in Mission Impossible was awesome, and it's um, there's like there's no score; it just is the mm-hmm. sound of the car chase, mm-hmm. and it's was not something I had seen before. So I thought that was really awesome until uh, it then gags. transitions to a uh, Matrix Revolutions esque CG motorcycle chase on the highway, and it's like. You go from this practical car chase and immediately follow into this motorcycle chase, and it makes the CG look so terrible, where it might look all right on its own, but ugh, it just, it kind of ruined it. It didn't ruin it, but it was just like, ugh, this is not a good way to follow up this car chase. Okay. I like, I, what I like about your review is that every positive had a negative. (laughs) That's how so, I do it. Somehow you worked in your negatives and then they bled into your positives. Sure. That's that's the Justin guarantee. <laughs> oh, this is the other thing about oh, the movie. Oh, here we go. The product placement was out of control. It was Windows phones everywhere. Mm-hmm. Windows tablets everywhere. Dell computers everywhere. Halo 5 is in this movie. There's a moment where you are introduced to Simon Pegg's character and you see him sitting behind his Dell monitors playing something. Cut to footage of Halo 5. Cut to his boss coming up in the background. And then him quickly pulling his drawer open to reveal the Halo 5 case. (laughs) Throws his controller, his Xbox controller in. Close. It's just like, oh my! This is such a cash grab. Like this is, this is terrible, right? Someone has to pay for the practical car chase, Justin. Do you want a CG car chase too? Because they didn't want to show Halo Five. I want Mission Impossible Five to not exist. Wow, that's what I want. And I want people to agree with me. You're the movie Grinch. (laughs) Sure. Okay, but that was all, that was so. That's all I've. That was all we watched. We watched that, and that's pretty much it. Other than you know, True Detective. Okay. Um, but I saw on Letterboxd that you watched a movie called White God, and I'm not sure if I read your review of it because Thanks. I read the synopsis and I was so like, just like taken aback because it seemed like the weirdest synopsis in the world about like dogs taking over yeah all right you should have read my review then <laughs> maybe i just thought the the i the plot of the movie seems so confusing so uh the con film festival apparently if i'm remembering this correctly uh has slowly updated with the times a little bit and they have started to introduce a new kind of like midnight section which a lot of film festivals do now uh, where they show more like genre films right. towards midnight just to wake people up, you know, get them excited about some blood and guts and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, White God won a, a prize at Con, and it was kind of billed as their midnight movie kind mm-hmm. of release. So the the plot is in this small town the dogs rise up and basically run rampant um, through this, kind of take it over, take Mm -hmm. over this little town and get revenge on all the people who mistreated them. 
concurrently with that story, so you follow this, you know, this one dog. It's basically, you know, uh, dawn and rise of the planet of the apes type of thing. Right. You know, you're abused, mm-hmm. and then you kind of rise up, and then the director kind of parallels that with a coming of age story for a girl mm-hmm. who owns the dog who, um, who is then like taken away from her. So the film itself kind of has a shift midway through where it turns more into the genre side mm-hmm. where this dog has been abused, abused, abused. Then it takes a turn. And now there's like, you know, there's footage of like hundreds of dogs mm-hmm. just running through the streets of this, village and then savagely attacking people (laughs) and i'd heard you know the dog training in this is unreal you know people are like i don't even want to try and guess how you got the dogs to act like they did Mm -hmm. and you know right at the beginning of the film they make it a point to be like no dogs were harmed during this film or whatever have you seen a moros uh a moros peros a long is it, isn't that that guy's like first movie? Yeah, in yes, with the dog fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I okay. saw it a long time ago. So I watched that. The dog fighting in that made me uncomfortable. Like I and I don't know if it was my age, but it struck me as like that's that's as real as I think you can get. I mean, I thought it looked really fake. Did you? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, you I don't, don't really remember. remember. <laughs> Because I feel like maybe I was looking for it a lot, but uh-huh. White God, there's dog fighting in it, uh-huh. and in that, I was watching. I was like, "Oh yeah, they're they're playing," <laughs> and part of it is they're they, playing and they're just like, rrr, rrr, "No, no, in the background." That, yeah, that's the problem. Is that the foley artist or whoever uh-huh. is doing right. the sound design is just adding this enormous <laughs> amount of like, rrr, rrr, you know, over. Yeah. And it's not fitting that like, I'm like, there's no way these dogs are making this many sounds, right. you know, in this moment. Right. So basically all you have is like, you're throwing fake blood on them and then you're just like <laughs> typing in all these crazy like growls and stuff. And I totally like saw, I was like, wow, I, again, maybe it's that I'm like older and I know a little more about how filmmaking's done, but the sound design on it was hysterical (laughs) you know and that was kind of true for everything like in the beginning you know you're following this dog and her girl and his girl um owner and um he is like whimpering Mm -hmm. a lot and i remember being like no dog would whimp. why is he whimpering so much and then i realized i was like you know what i wonder how many of these whimpers are actually like (laughs) being recorded in this scene old man in a (laughs) microphone booth (laughs) (laughs) I do like with everything, you know, (laughs) and I was like, I was like, okay, so, so basically they're, they're distracting you with a overly aggressive sound design. That's giving these scenes a little more like Mm -hmm. threat than is actually there. And then, you know, the genre stuff, honestly, didn't, it didn't pay off for me as well. Like I, I, and again, it's probably, I have this problem all the time with being oversold on a movie, you know? And people are coming out like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, and then it's just so violent or whatever. And you get to the end, and it's like, yeah, okay, they, you know, they get some revenge, but it actually has a very kind of like, you know, I can understand why they did what they did. It's, it's, it's a message movie. 
right? So, mm. the, so the parallel is obvious about the kind of put upon lower class, right? It's Snowpiercer, mm. you know, in, mm-hmm. in some respects. Um, but you're using dogs as representative, you know, it's like, um, white dog. You yeah. Know? Um, and, uh, so, so it's all metaphor and social theory and all that, but it had no kind of like genre th- it, Again, it felt like a guy who just makes kind of artistic movies being like, I'm going to get my hands dirty mm-hmm. and it just doesn't come off as like, you know, you need somebody like Tarantino to be like, oh, here, I'll violence it up for you, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, it was kind of a, it's kind of a shrug of a film where I was anticipating a lot. I was really excited for this movie, actually. Really, really excited. And what I got was just kind of a an, an obvious metaphor with, you know, a few genre thrills, but not many. And uh, kind of a lackluster end to their story. I just wasn't, it didn't grab me at all. Mm-hmm. And with a, with a movie like that, you think you would be grabbed, right? Yeah. 150 dogs running through the streets of this town. Uh, somehow they made it pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on, you said that's on Netflix? No, no. That one um, I actually downloaded from, like, it was on Voodoo. Oh, okay. So you watched Attack on Titan. And I feel like there's been a lot of talk about this recently. Yes, there has been. Okay. I think I think they're trying to do like a live action film. That's about right. It. Okay. And so That's everybody's so trying familiar. to get on it. And apparently I read something on a website today that said the movie's terrible. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that too. Um, so this is the first anime that I've really tried to get into since Cowboy Bebop mm-hmm. that you showed me like way back in college. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in my life I literally had to sit my wife down and be like, I am gonna try and get into anime and <laughs> You may see me seeing some things <laughs> that I don't even want to be watching, but no, that's for it's for a culturally significant purpose. I, I feel like I need I need to try and understand this, uh-huh. and uh, and so I gave up. I, I literally <laughs> watched five minutes of one, and I was like, oh, okay, like you, I was like, not yeah. not for me. Yeah, uh, but you know, I hear people talk about it, and you know, I really like graphic novels, and I feel like that's towards that some of the you know, storylines that I read and the, and the, um, artistry is, is anime ish. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I'm, I'm going to give it another shot. And I heard good things about attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost com- done with that series. Mm-hmm. But again, talk about removed from comedy. I know that I'm, I'm missing something about anime mm-hmm. that I feel like somebody <laughs> needs to, Give me like a like a booklet, mm-hmm. you know, like on anime culture so I can understand. It's almost like trying to adapt to Shakespearean language mm-hmm. where, you know, Shakespeare's working within a type, you know, and the rhythm and the meter of the words. And once you can find out what he's doing poetically and artistically, it can kind of unlock the words for you because they can be pretty impenetrable when you just read them. You're like, what is that old phrase? I don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so with anime, number one, why is everyone yelling? They yell so mm-hmm. much. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I watch kind of my phone and computer. So I have headphones on. Mm-hmm. And I just when somebody and they will literally be. Ta- I'm, I forget where it was. Somebody was was one of the characters 
was trying to get people to eat something. Oh no, drink. Just drink like an alcoholic beverage. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters is like, I will do it. And they scream. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, why are you screaming that? Yeah. You know, so people are always yelling and then they're always telling you what they're doing when they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like there's so there's so many speeches given that are just kind of like I will fight and fight and fight and fight and I will not give up and I will fight and fight and fight and fight. And And they will devote whole 20 minute episodes, like 18 episodes will be about this character, like having personal doubts and then like rising up and, uh, and speaking truth to all these people who don't want to accept it or whatever. And Mm -hmm. you're just like, and of course they're screaming for the whole, thing mm-hmm. and i'm like okay is, th- is this the style of communication like am i supposed to get into the rhythms of the of the over impassioned monologue is that like the primary way of communication in anime and if so maybe i can learn to accept it but not knowing if this is the major form of communication not having seen many others other than cowboy bebop which they didn't yell in right you know uh i'm like is this is it just Attack on Titan? Everyone's screaming, mm-hmm. you know. So that's one thing. That I'm like, what? And then the the speechifying is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Every single character has a speech in them yeah. that they have to give, and the and the beats are so kind of laid out for you, and it goes an interesting way in getting to those beats, but it still is hitting pretty much every beat. You know, the character who doesn't believe in themselves but is secretly smart will rise up to be the smartest one of the whole group and create the plan that will, you know, overcome mm-hmm. the evil. But their journey to get there is filled with so many speeches <laughs> of, like, their own doubt. Like, it, it, they give equal time to the doubt speech as they do to the uplifting speech. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a 10-minute speech about, like, no, I'm dumb and no one will listen to me and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then one character will be like, no, remember that time that you did this? And they go that meant something to you <laughs> deep inside. I never believed that uh-huh. I did anything, but now I see that I am going, you know, and I'm just like, wow, wow. Yeah. Is this, is this the, the, the universe, the anime universe? I mean, that's, it seems like it is right. The only anime I've ever watched was Cowboy Bebop. And well, I watched the creator of that did another one following that called Samurai Champloo. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't care for. But other than that, I have not watched any anime. I will say this. In every GIF I ever see of Dragon Ball Z on Reddit, they're always yelling in that and like exploding. So maybe that's a (laughs) maybe that's a thing. That's that's the that's anime's thing. Maybe. Well, well, what I will say is and what keeps me going is the visuals. Mm -hmm. The visuals are amazing. Mm -hmm. Like these titans that they're fighting have these perpetual grins on their face and kind Mm -hmm. of look like large distorted babies and they mm-hmm. eat the people like that's <laughs> that's their main right. purpose of existing and i think that's that's great yeah. and i'm really interested in the way that they tell the story that i think is very interesting but man you know talk about unbingeable watching mm-hmm. like this is after three, I'm just like checking for blood yeah. out of my ears. I'm just tired <laughs> of like the speeches. I just want them to like mm-hmm. get on. And again, it makes me wonder like, is there a time limit that they have to like fill out where it's like, oh man, you know, the studio wants a 30 hour piece from us. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's our story that's 18 hours. 
So we could, you know, maybe have 10 hours of speeches. That's mm-hmm. good. And scream all the way <laughs> through it just to keep people awake. Yeah. And we knocked it out, guys. Good work. Mm. But I am I am enjoying it. Okay. But man, if they could stop screaming and stop speechifying about every little thing. And then there are certain cultural things that I just don't get, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I anticipated. Like one character is revered. And then, oh, this guy actually speaks back to you. I'll say this and then I'm done. There's a character where everyone comes out and cheers and they, they like idolize him. Mm-hmm. He's like on this special elite force that's going out to take care of like the the, the, the titans that everyone's fighting. Mm-hmm. And the people are coming out to cheering and they're cheering for him specifically. And there's somebody next to him and she's like, um, I wonder how much they cheer for you when they real if if they realize what a neat freak you are. <laughs> and that and that is like and then a cut scene, you it know. Doesn't make any thing. sense to me. Well, that, do people not like to be neat? That's a, apparently in in that specific anime culture, they you will not be cheer, you will not be revered no matter how many titans you kill, if it's found out that you are a neat freak. And that was that was like the I would not, and I'm not a neat freak though. I maybe that character is. I am not a neat freak. Well, your office. I like for my things to be organized. And in in when I'm in my office, when I control everything in that space, it's going to be neat. I don't go around cleaning up other people's messes, and I don't judge people for not being neat. You're but I personally like to be neat. I like for my things to be neat. I have no issue sitting in someone else's office that's a mess. Right. No, 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 no. You're you're not obsessive in that way, but I can say I'm looking into your your two small girls playroom yeah. right now and it's perfect. Yeah. And you know why? Because you clean it up every day. No. And if you, you don't, it, it becomes a total disaster. Exactly. That's how you be neat. People think being neat takes all this work. It doesn't. You do little things that take five minutes at a time, once or twice a day, and you're done. Instead of letting them build up over the course of a week and then be like, oh, I got to spend all day Sunday cleaning up. That's not how you do it. You just take 10 or 15 minutes on Monday and straighten up the things that need to be straightened up. Do the same thing Tuesday through Sunday, and you're you're fine. Spoken like a true neat freak. <laughs> uh, did you read the... New Yorker piece on Darren Wilson that came out today? Yes. <laughs> what did you think of it? Uh, you know, I, I have to say that I kind of read it through. Like, did it, did it, did it, was there any revelations in there at all for you? No, okay. He, yeah. He, yeah. He, he's a racist. Yeah. He seems like a racist. He's, yeah. He's, <laughs> he, he's an absolute racist. I was yeah. going to say, like, we, we haven't talked about this. Like, I, I, I didn't know you're going to bring it up. Yeah. This is not the right time to talk to me about race <laughs> because did you listen to the last This American Life? The newest one? The problem we all live with? No, not yet. The, I, I posted it, a link to it on Facebook, which of course, why would anybody pay any <laughs> attention to it? Because I said, you know, if you think we live in a post-racial world or if you at all argued that because Obama is the president, that we have somehow transcended uh-huh. our racial kind of reality, yeah. then you're, you're, you're kidding yourself. And you need to listen to This American Life. And for the people who are still posting racist crap all over my Facebook feed, mm-hmm. you know, about just ignorant, ignorant stuff, 
you know, I am, I'm to the point where, you know, I said a few weeks ago, like I'm trying not to curate them out of my life, but I'm, I feel like I'm turning into like a bitter person, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm losing, I'm losing gumption about our culture because I don't want to turn it. And I don't want to turn into one of those people who's like, we, we glorify all the wrong things. And you know, you can so quickly turn into a, a parody, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the things that you want to care about. I, I'll, I'll say this briefly and maybe you can edit this out because it's kind of off topic, mm-hmm. but there, there was, I was at a presentation where somebody was talking about, um, racial issues in higher education and mm-hmm. how we can address those things. And they just went to positivity, 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 and raising awareness and all this stuff. And I asked one question that honestly, I, it sucked all the room out or air out of the room. And the presenter, I could see, like hated me <laughs> immediately. I, I've never wanted to leave uh-huh. as quickly as I, I wanted to in that room. And part of it, you have to understand the setup. By as my basic question was, what do you do, or can people get overly zealous about this issue and end up undercutting the things you're trying to do to institute change? For ex- for example, there is a white privileged student mm-hmm. who gets moved by the stories that you're telling of these lower socioeconomic people getting, you know. Um, opportunities within Mm. education and so they out of like their zealousness go out there and actually undercut right is there is there a chance that we are so rah-rahing getting people excited Mm -hmm. that they're they're failing to understand the basic problems of the issue and by just mindlessly running towards it creating more problems Mm -hmm. is that i was like is that an issue that you've seen could that potentially be an issue? How do we get people's awareness to come around on a way that's far more bell curvy? Like, you know, we can kind of see that growth mm-hmm. as opposed to like, I didn't think this was an issue. And now human trafficking is cra- it's terrible. And mm-hmm. like now all my fashion is anti-human trafficking. And mm-hmm. Coney is the greatest like disaster to ever hit, mm-hmm. you know, the world and all this other stuff. Right. And you end up turning more people off to it because of your overzealousness instead of bringing them into the cause? Is that what you're saying? Not, not only that, but I was like, I was like, you know, I think that there could be an issue and I've, I've seen it and this is what I was trying to say. And I didn't mm. get this far because by this point, everyone was staring at me like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, we just need to raise awareness and get into this. Like, you know, and, and part of her thing was like writing, um, you know, ex- experiences that you've had with racism, posting on a wall or something with mm-hmm. students. And, um, you know, she was like, and these white students would write things too and stuff like that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, but, but my, my issue was like, you know, there's now this student who is so passionate about the socioeconomic, you know, population that they assume everyone who is, you know, of a different skin color than them obviously came from that background. Right, and so they are like making assumptions about people mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, come over here, sweetie. Come mm-hmm. with me. I'm going to be your best friend. And we're going to, we're going to knock down the walls of inequality together. Yeah. And we're going to like, let's, 
let's tie our shoelaces together and everywhere mm. we go will be, the, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> like you see what I'm saying? And you yeah. see how that could be an issue where like maybe the other person is like, maybe I didn't come from that kind of background. Like, mm. what are you talking about? You know, or if I came from that background, is that the reaction I would want, right? Like, shouldn't we be kind of helping to educate them further about the issue rather than just saying, you know, there's an issue out there, go and, and fix it. And then that be our rallying cry, mm-hmm. you know, or is that an issue was basically my question, but I didn't, I obviously didn't get that far, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, do, am I making sense? Do you see what I'm saying with that? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like, it's like my, my feeling is like you're, you're dealing with these people who, you know, either deny the issue is there or they're so like over the top on the other side of it that you're like, goodness, like come, like, can we both come to the middle a little bit? Right. It's the, it's the middle ground. Right. It's, 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 it's the issue. It's not that the issue doesn't exist, but it's also not that the issue is in literally every single thing you see. Right. Right. Sometimes, sometimes you're, sometimes you're just a black kid from a middle-class family. Right. Right. It's not one or the other. That's usually the middle ground. That's where the truth yeah. is at, I feel like. And, and it's kind of like the reason why people are praising Mad Max for its feminism is because it doesn't make a point of its feminism right. very much. Like yeah. everyone points to that scene where Tom Hardy's trying to snipe, you know, some bad guys and then gives up and gives it to, you know, Furiosa and she handles it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, and he's like, he doesn't say anything. He's not like, wow. Mm. Or, you know, she doesn't say anything. She's mm-hmm. not like, see, I told you. Yeah. Um, Girls can do the same thing boys, boys can, can do. do. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's just represented. And yeah. I feel like th- that's where you want to get. Right. So when I see somebody like as an advisor, I, I will say this. One of the things that I'm most embarrassed about in my life is <laughs> actually after watching Shawshank Redemption, when mm-hmm. I was maybe a little too young to watch it. I would then look at any elderly person bagging groceries <laughs> and immediately like tear up and, and <laughs> almost start crying. Yeah. Cause I just assumed that they, they were like an ex convict and this is all they could do. And they have a one room mm-hmm. apartment. And they're going to go kill themselves, mm-hmm. you know, like in the movie tonight, mm-hmm. you know, and I would get really emotional. Like, like I wouldn't be able to look at them or deal with them. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot I was talking to somebody about it, or maybe somebody noticed me doing that. And they're like, you know, a lot of people are just retired and they just want to stay busy. Yeah. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, that doesn't mean that they have like no, they don't, they may not live in squalor. Right. They may be very wealthy and just like getting out there and meeting people and bagging groceries is easy and keeps them active, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I realized I was pitying them. Right. Like, why would anybody want my pity? Right. You know, and, and that made me feel terrible. So it's like I was way overly empathetic to the point where I wasn't helping anybody, you know? And so how do we get people to to that middle ground? Mm-hmm. So this American life. Listen to it. Speaking of listening to, you've been listening to a podcast called Limetown. Yes. So what is Limetown? <laughs> Limetown might be, is it my week for recommendation? Yes. Okay. Um, 
Well, it's going to be my recommendation. Maybe we can move into her story, which is your recommendation. Sure. Okay. So uh, her story was a game that you brought to my attention, right? Mm-hmm. A while yes. ago. I played it. You never actually played it. I just like to bring people's attention to stuff. Right. So Like I, racism. So I, recommend, <laughs> I recommended it to you last week. You finally played it. Um, how far along so you so you read stuff about it you know what at least the basic story is how far along in it did you get before you started looking stuff up all the way till the end okay so you got far enough to where you were satisfied with your interpretation of the story mm-hmm. and so you started looking stuff up mm-hmm. okay so what was your initial interpretation of the story well i have to say i played this with my wife Okay. So we, we, we played together. Our first night was Friday. Mm-hmm. We played for a few hours, and then we picked it back up last night mm-hmm. to finish it off um, so I could talk about it. So my theory was kind of we, we talked about it. So that was one reason, too, why I guess I didn't really worry about, you know, checking things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I remember, like, I remember people talking about it in, in what I was reading. They were talking about the aha moment. Mm-hmm. But I remember my first aha moment was when I realized that they were, um, they were twins. Like I remember little hints of like Eve and who mm-hmm. was Eve. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why am I talking about Eve? And I was like, is that a friend? And I think she refers to her as a friend early mm-hmm. on or something, at least in the sequence that I was going based on the, on the word searches we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then I realized, oh wow, this is, this is a twin situation or whatever. I will say so. Basically, do you just want to know like what my theory was before I started reading? Yeah. And did you play? You played on your phone or you played on the computer? Computer. Okay. Uh, so my theory by the end, and and I vocalized my theory because we didn't know when that chat box popped up. We didn't know what would happen when they initially say, "Are you done?" Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to say like yes. And then have it be spoiled for me. So I tried to create my whole theory based on before then. And mm-hmm. there's a twist that comes literally right in the next thing that they say mm-hmm. that completely like flipped a whole lot of things on mm-hmm. Ted. But my theory was two distinct twins. Mm-hmm. Um, for a second there, we we thought maybe it was split personalities. But and I have to say the the tattoo always looked bad to me. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't sure if that was like the the budget they were working with or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really know what they were doing with the tattoo. It didn't look real, mm-hmm. uh, real good to me. But I was like, okay, whatever. One of them has a tattoo. Um, so I my theory was exactly what they say in the in the interviews, you know, which is two twins, one living across the street. Uh, I anticipated that they um, Eve was the one who was taken. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, was it no Eve. Hannah was the main. Yeah. So one Eve, that was married. Eve kills uh, Florence. Eve no. kills everybody, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. So. No. So yeah, that, that I don't know how in depth you want me to go, but I mean, no, that's fine. Yeah. I was just kind of curious with how far you got before you. Um, Looks though. So what did you look up? Did you, because I didn't, I played it for probably three hours on and off. I played on my phone. I tried to get Julia to play it, but she, I guess she just wasn't interested. 
So once I had spent enough time and felt like I'm not going to find anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- so before you went to the chat box, I never got to the chat box. Okay. Yeah. I think the first thing I did was I probably read that Reddit post that I sent to you that I'll put in the show notes. And that theory seemed pretty solid to me. But then I went on YouTube and someone had collected all the videos and put them in chronological order. And I just watched those, which is like 45 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. It was a long time, but, um, so I did that. So why, why did you look up before you solved the case? Well, because I, I think, and it's been a while since I did it, but I'd got to a point where I knew there were twins, right? I knew, I felt like I pretty much knew what the story was. The only thing I didn't figure out was the kid. Sarah? Yeah, right? I didn't get that. Did you um, play with the screen glare on? Yes. So I did you see s- the I saw reflection? that happen a couple times, right? See, we, we, we turned it off. Oh, you did? Almost immediately. Yeah, I had that, but I always just thought it was the actress because it just looks... I mean, for, first of all, I'm playing on a four-inch phone, right? Mm-hmm. So it shows up, and I'm thinking, is she just like looking at her own videos? That's what I thought because I didn't really know anything about the girl. Um, and some people the theorize daughter. it's a third personality. You don't subscribe to that? I never heard that. Yeah, some people think Eve, Hannah, Sarah are three personalities. I think it makes sense that it's a there's the daughter. And she yeah, some people I think some people think that this is her in therapy like in oh, okay. psychiatric care and they're trying to get her to you know, Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get her to be like now do you understand why mm-hmm. you know basically you killed your personality and uh-huh. or your other personality killed that one? Or so what do you think? Is that what you think? Or I divide it through I divide it through two channels like everyone else, except uh-huh. I don't divide it between multiple personalities and twins. I divide it between you believe what you hear or you think there's subtext to the information you're given. Okay, those are to me the two trains of thought. So if you subscribe to what you hear is the reality, then there's no way you can believe in multiple personalities because the story is extremely clearly presented Mm -hmm. in terms of who killed who. And, um, you know, some of the details you can quibble over. Right. Um, But the one I subscribed to at first was uh, Hannah kills um, Simon and Eve comes over and helps, you know, hide right. the body in right. the attic. Mm-hmm. And then Hannah, you know, does some of those initial interviews and then leaves. And Eve comes forward and basically says, you, you've you got me on aiding and abetting, mm-hmm. but you, you're not going to get my sister on murder. She's already fled. Mm-hmm. And so here I am. This is the best you're going to get. You know, but I did not murder him. Mm-hmm. So... She does time or whatever for that brief thing, but Hannah's already already gone off. Hmm. So that was my initial reaction, my initial theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other camp would say they're, they're then looking at it and they're saying, 
you know, this game is called Her Story, right? Right. So you can't take what she says as reality. So therefore, we need to question everything that we're hearing. And if you choose to question what you're hearing, then the case can almost be incontrovertibly, it's all multiple personalities mm-hmm. based on, you know, how the information is presented, how she's talking about it, right? All that stuff. So I think it's just about what was your initial reaction? Did you believe what she said or did you not? Mm-hmm. And then based on that, it will lead you down one of two paths of interpretation. Mm-hmm. So did you believe everything you, you that you said or do you think like there's something to the fact that like she's an unreliable narrator? No. See, I believe everything she's saying. I believe everything they're saying in the interviews. Okay. Right. And I assumed pretty early on that because they're visually different in the interviews, right? So like Eve's hair is up or Hannah's hair is up maybe, and Eve's hair is down. The tattoo is one, obviously, but that's not present in every single interview. So I took it as them being as truthful as possible in their interviews. I never really listened to it and thought to then interpret it into what it might actually mean. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so that led me to believe from everything I've read, I agree with the idea that I can't, man, it's been a while now, so I can't really remember, but basically the idea that Eve has killed everyone Mm -hmm. who dies in the story, but including Hannah, including Hannah by Mm -hmm. the end of it, but they can't arrest her first of all, because she doesn't exist really. Right. Right, there's no record of her right. existence because she was stolen as a baby. And there's that um, episode where she's like, you don't have a murder weapon, you don't have anything. Right. And the theory that you subscribe to says that's not her talking about Simon's murder. That's her now being investigated for the murder of Hannah. Right. And she basically walks. Yeah. That, that, that basically is like, you don't have anything that's ridiculous. She gets up and leaves. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of... I think that theory says like that's kind of the that's how it ends. Yeah. Is Eve just them being like, well, we can't we can't prove it and we don't right. have you know any evidence of who she is or record of who she is, so there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Uh but it definitely like the the thing I remember about it the most is once I started it cuz I didn't know anything going into it and all it is is just you're searching a database for videos, right? And you end up searching words and the words you are searching are just whatever word is words are spoken in the actual interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but your results are limited to five videos at a time. So you can't just until the end. Did you go back and play until the end? No. And then it unlocks all the videos. Right. Yeah. yeah. But at first, so because I tried things like, oh, well, the is going to be in every one. So I'll just type in the, but you only get the first five videos. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good way of, of policing it. Yeah, but the mechanic itself, it was really, um, it really drew me in. And once I started playing it, all I wanted to do was just keep searching words over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, but, but but I like that you say that, but then you didn't, you, you actually didn't play through. Well, I did it enough until I was like, all right, my curiosity is satisfied. I, I don't want to keep looking at my phone for hours on end. Right, because I'm playing this on my phone. I'm playing it by myself. 
you know, I, I have a family to take care of. My, my wife, I have and I, destiny to play. Right. right? My, my wife and I actually tried to decode the uh, knock code. Yeah. That she mm-hmm. does ourselves. We mm-hmm. ended up having like to record it in slow motion on her phone uh-huh. and then play it back in slow motion and like take down the, you know, how many knocks there uh-huh. were and then tried to divide that up. I mean, yeah. I tried to give myself fully to this experience all the way through. See, I did that though. I was like, um, but I didn't know it was like a not, I never even heard of knock code before. Right. So, so I was just like, Wikipedia. is this Morse code? Yeah, so I just did like Morse code and then I tried to translate it myself. I didn't get it. I was like, all right, I'm just moving on. Well, why did you search Morse code? Why didn't you search knock code? That's a real thing. It's a because I've thing. Ne- because I'd never heard of knock code before. Then why didn't you search knock code? Why'd you? How do you I? How am I going to search for something that I don't know exists? You go. You go on Google. I just assume it's Morse code. No, you go on Google and you type in the knock code, and then there's but a Wikipedia. Why, that's that what goes, I'm saying. Oh, the knock why code. Why would I type in the knock code if I've never heard of the knock code in my she life? She says it's the knock code. Oh, she does. Yeah. Well, see, I don't remember that. In the thing, she says we worked out. A code. It's called the knock code. Oh right, and but, but see, when I saw when I saw her actually knocking, I hadn't seen the clip that right. said we had worked out. All I saw was the clip of her knocking on the table, and I was like, "That seems a little fishy." I wonder if I can search that. So and when so she says knock code later on, why don't you go back? I just didn't think of it. Mm. I, I like how this worked. I got really <laughs> passionate hearing about the, the the game, and then I recommended it to you. <clears throat> then you took it from there. And you got really into it, and then you actually re-recommended it back to me. Right. Because after weeks, I didn't play it. Then I take it from there, and I get really passionate about it. And you seem to like kind of like fade off and be like, "No, nah, yeah, it was a good experience." I was, yeah, I was really into it for about three hours, and then I was done. And then I was like, "Okay, let me f- read about what this was." Yeah, and it looks and like, move on. It sounds to me like you've read one interpretation, <laughs> and then you really did move on, like literally. Yeah, because that interpretation satisfied my curiosity. Uh, to okay. me, that interpretation answered the questions. You're 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 forcing me to to do what I didn't want to do, which is just to lay out all the theories at the end. But th- this is the discussion that I most wanted to have. You, I listen to quality control too. Mm-hmm. I feel like what frustrated me about that is they all they just kind of reference the theorizing. And then they just move right on, you know? So as of today, based on the reading that I've done up to this point, Mm -hmm. there are, like I said, I divide into two trains of thought. If you believe what she's saying, then the Reddit post that you sent me is the most complete theory that takes into account everything. Basically, it just lays it out chronologically what what is said. It doesn't embellish much of anything at all. Um, I think beyond that, my theory is still, I think it can hold up, which basically takes that general feeling of there are two twins. Eve still kills everybody, but instead, instead of Eve killing Hannah, she basically just helps Hannah um, hide the body, frame it. And since she doesn't have a record, she's like, I'll take the fall for this and take whatever they can give me. Mm-hmm. You get out of here. Because they can actually convict you for his murder, mm-hmm. but let's let's make everything, you know, let's tell this story in in that you know you killed him. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. So Eve ends up actually helping her sister at the end, um, or Eve kills her. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the multiple personalities. And now that I see two two strains of that. Number one that um, 
Hannah and Eve are the same person and Eve kills Hannah off in, in her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but is legitimately insane by the end of the, of the, um, whole episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the final, um, video is basically her just giving enough information to be like, you're going to a psychiatric institution for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. And Sarah is trying to research and find out more about her past and her mother. The other one says multiple personalities where all three are the same personality, Eve, Hannah, and Sarah mm-hmm. are all the same person and that she's in therapy. This game is her therapy to work through the the specific database that they've collected of just that's why it's just her case on there that it's it's a controlled environment for her to research about her own mm-hmm. you know psychosis and to try and understand i don't remember the chat at the end but i feel like doesn't the chat say something about her mother the the yeah it says um Sarah, now do you understand why your mother did what she did? Yeah. And then it ends with, meet me at some location. It says, log out and meet me at some location. Uh huh. And then you log out and it rolls the credits. Right. So who is that person? People say like the the initials match the creator of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, could that be the psychiatrist? He's just no, like, hey, yeah, see, I think that's too much of a stretch. It's like it says you're this now. Do you understand why your mother did? So it's obviously like it just feels like it's she's obviously the child. Why does Sarah look like an exact represent? You know, I mean, does replica? she? You didn't see the reflection. You turned it off. I saw a screen grab of it, but you, <laughs> but you saw, and you said it looks. Yeah, like- I also said I was playing on a four inch phone. I I have now been swayed more <laughs> towards the more towards like the the poetic reading of it. Yeah. You know, that this is her story, so why should we believe everything she says up front? And that the game is more interesting if you take what she's saying as hints to a reality that's that's just a little deeper than the story. I that agree that you. that is more a more interesting interpretation, but I don't think that makes it correct. As correct as it could be. For someone who didn't complete the game, <laughs> I did. I don't. I watched. Care. I watched every. I watched literally every single minute of the game. So your recommendation is a podcast called Limetown. Sure. What is it about? Because it's, that name stinks. Yeah. Well, they addressed the name in okay. the podcast. So it's from American Public Radio. All right. And it's basically what I was kind of thinking in some ways wishing Gimlet would do, Uh which is a fictitious artistic podcast. They're trying, it's an eight episode series apparently where there's this town called Limetown in Tennessee. That was a research institute. It was basically a town built for the specific purpose of research. It gathered some of the greatest minds in the field of, neuroscience Mm -hmm. and one day they all disappeared and this is true no okay that's the thing they're they're trying to convey it as a true story but it's not but it's not okay 
And that is probably my biggest issue with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting coming off of serial and where podcasts, popular podcasting has gone to put Limetown in that, in, in its place mm-hmm. against those as kind of something where I listened to welcome to night Vale and that, that was wholly organic. Mm-hmm. They, I truly believe that they did not have an idea of being as big as they are. That was just an artistic pursuit that was meant to be like just an oddity right. that has just exploded. And then you have something real like serial, which could just could be as intentional as Limetown, but it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the jinx, like that was created for us. And you could say that there are elements of the jinx that are like totally like just disgusting because they, they are it's it's corporate. It's a it's a corporate, you know, um consumerist product created to be, you know, consumed in the way that we all did. Mm-hmm. We just sucked it down. It was like Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and and people are willing to edit and change things around in order to appeal to that side of us. I think cereal was much more organic, but that was that was a charge against cereal too. Mm-hmm. People were like, you're just exploiting this person or whatever, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to be a, a sheeple and just go along with it, right? right? Um, Limetown then is like that constructed consumerist product that almost feels like a Netflix created, like people seem to like this, this, and this. So let's bring that all together and make a compelling radio drama, you know, with twists and turns and whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've just released the first episode. I listened to it. I have real mixed feelings about it. I'd like your, I'd like your take, but I kind of know where we're, where you're going to go with it. Okay. All right. Well, I'll give it a listen. Um, this has been Everything is Interesting. My name is Justin Blizzard, and I've been here with Keith Krepko. You can find everything we talked about um, in this episode in the show notes or on the website eipodcast.com. Uh, links to all that stuff, timestamps, all of that is in and there. And a graph. And a pie, a pie chart. Oh, yeah. Actually, right. it is a donut chart. <laughs> um, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right with the direction. And if you're watching True Detective, we have a True Detective podcast called Everything True Detective. Um, but if you like the show you may want to steer clear of that podcast because we're not the nicest people to it. Uh, But other than that... (laughs) (laughs) Another great (laughs) sign-off. Yeah, so that's all we got. Um, We'll see you next week.